Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy! Um, it's quite possible they've traveled farther to be here tonight than any other author I've ever introduced, so I want to make sure that they feel particularly welcome here in LA and at Skylight, so let's give them a big round of applause. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very glad we have gathered to welcome this book of mine in English. Um, I'm really honored, Online Press, that uh, you have picked it to be one of your first children. <laughs> and um, uh, it is a very dear book to me. Um, the Estonian title is Viimane Monogamlane. The, can be translated something like the last of monogamicans. I don't know if it makes sense at all in English, but you know the last of mohicans, mo yes. But now think about monogamy and put it the last of monogamicans, something <laughs> like that. Yes. So, and um, this book, when, when it was published in Estonia, um, it is a small literary scene still, but it was quite a scandal book. And um, um, I was asked all kind of peculiar questions after I, I, I had published it. And a lot of, some people liked it a lot, some people hated this book. And um, um, I've never figured out why. Um, I laughed and I cried when I wrote these stories at the same time. Um, what else can I say in the introduction? I, I'm never sure if I should warn people a little bit before I start reading. Yesterday in in University of California, like, some people were just leaving in the middle of the story. <laughs> so, well, feel free to, if you feel <laughs> If you feel it's too much. But anyway, I hope there's not many people under, under 15. Yeah. Well, the first story I read, it's, um, it's called Patterns. And uh, um, it's uh, quite tragic after, um, after all that I had to publish it after I was married for the first time in my life. And I thought that I have to find a reason um, to publish it. You know, I had my, my um, honorable father-in-law and mother-in-law that I had just got, got to know. And, um, and then I had this in my mind that um, 
an Estonian folk tradition, a bride almost always had to test his future husband. It was like obligatory. You had to be clever to test him if he's um, the right man to you. And I thought that if I publish this story and he still wants to marry me, then he's the right man. <laughs> I wonder if there is a glass of water, I might need it soon, or a bottle of water. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> Thank you. It's quite a challenge to read in English. I, I give my best, I do my best. It's called patent. The three men I've bitten arms off of are doing well. I felt guilty for many years. I was afraid I had completely ruined their lives. Of course, it must have been difficult for them. But a physical disability doesn't have to make anyone unhappy. If a person has a great will to live, he'll recover from the very greatest traumas. At times, I was quite wild when I was young. I generally managed to keep myself under control in the daytime, but at night I could be a real, ferocious beast. My first husband was a very gentle, sensitive man. In the mornings he made thin pancakes, fried golden brown in butter, and poured coffee mixed with frothed milk into my blue earthenware mug. One morning, he just couldn't wait for me to get up. The pancakes were ready, and the coffee getting cold. He sat down softly on the edge of my bed and slid his left hand caressingly over my long, soft hair, shoulders and back. I awoke with a start. A wild rage came over me. I bounced onto his upper arm, and before I understood what I was doing, I had bitten his whole arm off. When we filed the divorce papers, <laughs> I cried bitterly. He should at least have snarled, he said as he was leaving. But you suddenly, just like that. Jan is now married to a frail actress. She certainly won't ever bite him. Jan works at the Automobile Museum. At the open area events, he earns good money with his artificial arm. He sits next to the driver in open Benzies and the Dion Boutons and points away, controlling his arm by means of a control panel. In the evening, a little light flashes in his arm as well. Tourists photograph him like mad, and Jorn is a made man all over town. <laughs> what have I written here? <laughs> I had therapy for two years, and then had the courage 
to get married again. My second husband's name was also Jan. We joked that he must be a hard man indeed to take me to be his wife and himself a discus thrower. <laughs> and the great Olympic hope of the entire nation. <laughs> it happened already. They're <laughs> quite dangerous audience. <laughs> it happened already on our wedding night. As I was expecting a child, I suddenly felt a great tiredness in the midst of all the wedding hubbub. Suddenly I just couldn't dance anymore or sit at the table either. I staggered through the rooms of the haunting lodge we had hired for our wedding reception and climbed the stairs. Jan was still busy with our guests and an hour later he followed me up to our bedroom. He pushed aside the heavy white brocade curtains of the canopy bed, kissed me passionately on my half-open lips, opened the hooks of, on the front of my wedding dress, lay down beside me on the bed and put, and put his right arm under my neck. I felt his gigantic, rapidly twitching muscle. Rage struck me like a thunderbolt. Just as lightning rends a tree with one blow, I had, in a fraction of a second, shattered our people's Olympic hopes. <laughs> Blood spurted onto the white brocade curtains. Everything all around was suddenly red-white. The approaching ambulance siren rose and fell. The ambulance crew in red overalls stormed in and tried to, st tried to stop the spurting flow of blood <laughs> from Jan's upper arm. Lunatic and silent nurses in white coats wrenched my arms behind my back and led me with the hooks of my wedding dress open to the madhouse. Seven months later I gave birth to a dear little girl and got out of the locked ward. For years I lived in the countryside at my grandmother's and helped the old woman with her farm work. I still took very strong medication. My daughter Maria was four when we moved back to town. The newspapers didn't write about us anymore. Jan married his former beloved just after the accident. Soon after that, triplet sons were born to them. Jan worked at the chocolate factory as a mascot. <laughs> this job 
made his family downright wealthy. <laughs> you see, John had a chocolate arm and was the factory's most expensive attraction. Every evening when the two group children had eaten Jan's arm, a new one was molded for him. <laughs> Jan's sons worshipped their father. Oh, give me a little break. I didn't know it's so difficult to read this story to you. How refreshing. <laughs> so would you like to know what's happened what happened to the third one? Yeah. Are you sure? Okay. <sighs> Some years later. I met my third husband. For months, I tried to convince him that he should find himself a less dangerous woman. But he tried to make me believe that I was completely well. Against my will, my daughter, Maria, had been waking me in the morning for years, and I hadn't attacked her a single time. We got married in 1998 on St. John's Day in a close family circle. Maria was our bridesmaid. My husband, his name was Jan too, <laughs> carried me in his arms to a tiny little altar bordered, bordered with blossoming lilacs and bird cherry trees at the edge of the forest. Framed by tall fir trees, we were joined together under the slanting rays of the evening sun. We pressed wedding rings of genuine raw gold into each other's finger. They glittered like mad with a wild, dazzling sparkle. Jan had made the rings himself. He was, after all, a world-famous goldsmith. You would have to look far and wide for a stronger, broader-shouldered man. I was happy and content. Jan constantly gave me the most, gave me the most unusual jewelry as presents. I worked as a model for his masterworks. We were always traveling around the world's most special places. It happened at Istanbul Worldsmithing Tournament. Jan had been hammering day and night without a break. Barely had the gold been able to cool a bit when it was put jingling around my wrists, ankles and hips. We reached the final. Jan's opponent was a little old man whose origins were unknown to everyone. He was able to hammer out jewelry as fine as mist, 
but his special trump cord with supple and beautifully glimmering golden hair, copper snakes crafted by the old man, twisted their way out of the gold chests and coiled round the model's waists and arms. The flute played ever more beautifully and passionately. The drum rumbled some wild and elusive, elusive rhythm. Watching this from between the curtains backstage, I suddenly fell into a heavy, restless sleep on my sofa. Then Jan touched my cheek. Wake up, my dear, he said, pressing onto my head a gold crown on which a hundred seven-meter-long candles were burning. Oh, a turn. I don't remember how it happened, but suddenly Johan's two strong arms were lying at our feet. The old, the old man smiled sinisterly. I gave everything else back to Johan, but I'm holding on to those candles and my wedding ring like some great treasure. I'm not able to forget Johan. He swore before everyone that it was an accident and his own fault. I escaped a years-long prison sentence and committed to a psychiatric hospital. My daughter Maria still writes to Jan to this day. She says he lives in the calm religion of Tibet and has made wings for himself. With the aid of huge shoulder and upper back muscles, he flies around the Himal Himalayas. He is married to a Tibetan beauty and they have a bevy of children. Jan is the only person in the world who really knows how to fly. Mario wants us to visit them someday. When my candles have finally burned down and my wedding ring no longer sparkles with such a wild dazzle, then perhaps we'll really go. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome my super brave husband, Sears up. <laughs> Hello. This is now performance in the sense of a drama. But I just realized that uh, I can be in a bigger threat than I ever thought because uh, my name is, is Silver and my family name is Truly. It's my real name and my family name is Sepp, what means Smith. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, luckily or uh, thoughtably, to a thought advance, I have my spare arm with me, <laughs> which I found um, 
from my fisherman village farms, saunas, attic, just this piece of wood and, uh, and uh, to have it sounded, sounding out, I cut the nails from the garage and I sing you a song about finding a way out from your own yard. I do a little sound check.
Silver. From time to time, I can be a little dangerous, I admit. But sitting in your car next to this almost every day, this is really, this is really something. And he has a lot of these kind of instruments, and his car is just full of all this dangerous stuff. <laughs> I'm going to read uh, a little story. Um, it's called Cushions. And um, I thought about um, communication problems that we so often have in our lives. And um, especially, especially with um, people we are really related to. It can be sometimes difficult. Cushions. It once so happened that I married a man. Not him. <laughs> it once so happened that I married a man. It's a fiction. <laughs> who loved to talk as much and listen as little as I did. At first, everything seemed to be ideal. I never noticed when we were trying to talk over each other. I felt that he was a good listener. Every time I thought of something particularly clever, clever and looked over at him, he was just moving his lips. Later, my doctor explained to me that I had already become completely deaf by then. That was a terrible day. I realized that whenever I related my tales to my husband, he was relating his to me at the same time. And neither of us heard what the other was saying, for my husband was deaf too. It was a particular kind of deafness. We were able to distinguish all the other sounds in the world, but we were totally deaf to each other's voice. <laughs> but we very much loved to talk, and we very much loved each other. In spite of that, it became necessary to put an end to such pointless storytelling. One evening, when we were caught up in the flow of talk, the same thought occurred to both of us. We suddenly pressed cushions between each other's jaws. It was an unaccustomed feeling. Neither of us could move our mouth for several long seconds. Then we swallowed the cushions down at the same time. We kept pressing more and yet more cushions into each other's mouth and again and again swallowed them down. It was a maddening situation. Although neither of us could hear the other, 
at the end of the day, one of us should have shut up and concentrated on the other stories for appearance sake, if for nothing else. The last two cushions got stuck between our jaws. All of a sudden, we were utterly full of cushions. There was a giant in our village who had won the hand of a dragon bride. They were quite poor, and one day they simply took us to be their pillows. <laughs> the young dragon bride rested her head on me, and the giant rested his on my husband. We lay side by side at the head of their bed and felt with our entire bodies the enamored breathing of those two primeval beings. Did I pronounce it correctly? Enamored, enamored like fell in love. <laughs> we lay side by side at the head of their bed and felt with our entire bodies the enamored breathing of those two primeval beings. Thank you. What are you going to do next? Eola? Tätä ei nähä loo veel või? Siis mul on viimane. On jah. Ei ma viin... Tää on varii... Nad jätsi. Seems I have lost some instruments, but uh, there's a good side that there's always too much of them, so it's good. And I lost it. What do you call this instrument? This one. Yeah, what do you call uh, I call it uh, uh, Nyla Bill, a nail, uh, nail instrument. But in English also sounds, uh, somebody started to call it uh, nail harf. Uh, it's, it sounds uh, classical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I lost the silent part of the tune, so uh, you can just take a sip of water before the singing part of the tune.
thing that, that I want you to sing is it's uh, from the language that they actually died out. It's uh, from the areas that I live. But the refrain is so universal that it never dies out. It's like.
surprised to have secretly practiced it with Silver. It was so well done, done as if you were like uh, his own choir from Estonia. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, um, the walker on water hasn't yet tried uh, Los Angeles waters, but um, from the sound um, I kind of um, had an idea what what could it be like to walk on it. Um, would you like to hear more about um, the giant and uh, his dragon bride? It's called um, Dragon's Diary. I have already seen one thing and another, even a third and a fourth in this world. But wherever I've searched, wherever I've crept, I haven't found sex. What sort of thing is this sex that everyone talks about and falls silent about? I don't understand. Now I'm married to this giant here. Every evening he puts his heavy hands around me. He cuddles me and caresses me, tenderly kisses my three mouth and three necks. <laughs> I become more and more heated from this until I start sprouting flames and then gradually cool down like lava that has flowed into a cold spring. Our bed is full of smoke, and in this hiss of cooling down, I feel the beating of his big heart under my clothes. Thump, thump, thump. But what part of all this, the beginning, the end, the middle, or all of it together, is sex? I don't know. This morning I asked my husband and he answered with a laugh 
The sex is when I once lost my tail under our, our blanket and he helped me to find it. Depressing. How is that supposed to happen again? You can't consciously lose your tail under the blanket. That can only happen by chance. And what might also happen by chance is that I will never chance upon it again. Best to forget it altogether. This word is already getting on my nerves. Sex. Sounds like a trap being sprung. Who invented this mysterious trap anyway? Clack. And all at once it captures your most beautiful moments. It is aggravating and intrusive. It is a third party when you want to be alone, just the two of you. I hope I managed to forget it. I said that to my husband's face. He started laughing again and said he'd been joking and that losing one's tail certainly isn't sex. But what is it then? I asked angrily. My husband thought about it and said, Sex is closing your mouth nicely now, not thinking about anything and simply being beautiful. I was desperate again. Is sex something that you do for others? That seems boring and courteous, something like a curtsy. I decided not to turn to my husband anymore in this matter. He only makes light of it when I'm being serious. Yet I sense that I will soon have to take up this subject again, because lately he seems to be somehow annoyingly patronizing. There isn't that clear, bright closeness of before between us anymore. Between us there is now that curtsy, the trap springing, the clack, nothing is as it was before. take a real breath in because I'm I'm only quarter of me is music music who knows anything about music <laughs> so but but this is a uh, lyrics that I made and um, and silver also was testing me before marriage uh, he <laughs> he said that he wouldn't marry me if I didn't play an instrument. And uh, mm -hmm. I, my dream had actually been to, to know how to play our instrument, mm -hmm. this uh, harmonica village accordion. And now I'm 
and making making my efforts. But the song uh, is um, about uh, dark times coming and about winter falling down. And it was just when we left Estonia a couple of years, a couple of days. <laughs> Today I had almost the first um, glass of Coca-Cola in my life. I've been avoiding it, but now I had one, so I feel a little crazy. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know it, it had such an effect. Will have such an effect. Anyway, I'm going to mess it up the song, but but the song is um, about um, the very last days without snow, and it was really frosty when we left. Last. Uh Autumn, we were uh, in the uh, east coast of the States, and uh, it was it seemed quite okay to sing it there because it it was um, it was quite cold already there. And there is a verse in the uh, snap, click, clack. Get us it out. Such a relief, you know how to do it. It is a and when we were flying uh, towards uh, Los Angeles, it, I think it was um, the longest flight for both of us. And you know, even in the airplane, you could see how the sun got closer and everything became lighter. And it's more than enough light. There we are not to be found. And in the song there is some lines like um, far away for England. Mm -hmm. Somewhere um, there's plenty of light on far away foreign ground. Somewhere there's more than enough light where we are not to be found. And uh, we are now to be found <laughs> for a moment in this faraway land. It's terrible. He's just stealing the show, you see. It's me supposed to play it now.
You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.